Solana went down this week, David. I don't know if you noticed. I know you're on the Solana chain a lot. All the it time. Was, it was down for five hours, and that is the first time it's been down in almost a year. Bankless Station is the second week of February. David, what time is it? It's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover all the weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless into the bullish frontier. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, good. I'm glad you said bullish frontier. Are, are you having Are you having fun, man? Is this fun I'm, yet? I'm having fun. I'm, there's a lot of interesting things going on. There's a lot of exciting things going on. There's a lot, of, lot to look forward to, a lot that's happening now, a lot that will happen in the future. Overall, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, it feels, it's a good time in the market. I feel like it's a good time in the market too. Like it's just, uh, it hasn't gotten crazy yet. I don't know. The, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, we, we, like we've seen some new things. I'm forecaster episode. Well, mm-hmm. let's unpack it. What are we covering today? Uh, we're covering first Solana's five hour network outage. Oof. We'll talk about that. Uh, there was a little bit of an autopsy, not the official one, but someone put a tweet thread together. So we'll go through that and talk about the significance. Uh, second, the other very exciting thing that happened this week, the Eigenlayer LST tokens caps were lifted. How much TVL flooded into Eigenlayer? It's just piling in. It's absolutely piling in. We also got the Farcaster users hitting all-time highs, so we'll talk a bit more about that. And David, we have the date for the next Ethereum upgrade. I think, is this the official the date? date? The From date. From the devs. The devs From the devs. The, the date that the devs said. I thought they didn't give dates. Until they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, well, before we get in, we get a message from our friends and sponsors over at DYDX. What do they want the Bankless Nation to know? There are 37 markets on DYDX, now DYDX chain. This is also a call to action for all DYDX token holders who still have the token on Ethereum that is no longer the home for your DYDX token. You should go and send that over to the DYDX chain where you can stake and be a validator of DYDX and get something like 15 plus percent paid in USDC from the DGENs that are trading on DYDX. So you can just maintain the DYDX chain, do your service to the network, and collect some USDC fees. Uh, There is a link in the show notes uh, to learn more about how to do that and also what are the other $20 million opportunities of incentives going on in the DYDX ecosystem. A lot to pay attention to. Link in the show notes. Thank you, DYDX, for sponsoring this message. Well, David, let's uh, pay some attention to the market price, shall we? And sure. uh, honestly, David, at this time in the market, I don't know if I'm more zen than usual or what, but this is like right before this episode was the first time I actually looked at charts since last week, since the last roll-up. <laughs> and I was pleasantly surprised to see this one. This is Bitcoin. Thanks to Kraken Pro for these excellent charts. And thanks to the Bitcoin gods for the charts showing upward trajectory. What are we at on the week? I'm guessing, Ryan, you don't have the page on your phone that, like, if you scroll over it, like, shows all the prices. <laughs> no, I'm guessing I you don't have that. one of these things. It's not healthy. It's you not don't healthy have for the me to price do that on anymore. your main home screen on your on your phone. You don't have that. <laughs> no, I don't do that. So is that so like you every have no time idea you open? what the prices are until we do the weekly roll up? Yeah, I mean, really, unless something crazy happens and then I find about it some other right. way and like because somebody you know, says something. This doesn't. This is a nice price on the week, but this is not crazy activity. This is not crazy. So no. I just I think didn't people check. are excited about the price action right now. Now, A, because we're coming back out of the 30,000 range where it was like the bearish range, like people were thinking we're getting it done at 36,000, and we're not. We're not doing that. Uh, we started the week at $42,500 on the Bitcoin, up to $45,200, up 6% on the week. Uh, marching our way back to the Bitcoin ETF approval highs of 49000 And I think, Ryan, once we like hit 49000 and break 50000 like 
I'm sorry. Like all time highs are next. That's just that's well, that just would be how all time highs of this cycle, right? This, of this cycle for so about 49k. Yeah. 49 is a new high water mark. Yeah, so but like, we set that. We set that like two or three weeks ago. All right, so 50k would be like kind of net new territory for this cycle. And what is wait? What is all time high for Bitcoin now? Si- 69. 69. How really? do you, how could you forget? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's silly me? All right, 69. Uh, next, you're gonna tell me uh, Ethereum all time high was 4,200. Uh, no, no, it was no. four thousand nine hundred. <laughs> sorry, sorry, that's high. That's higher. That's actually higher than I remembered. Okay, well, tell me yeah. about ETH on the week. Where, where are we at? Two thousand two hundred and ninety dollars is where it started. We are up two percent, six percent. Excuse me, six percent to two thousand four hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, uh, so some some up weeks. So up both weeks week. Bitcoin and Ether up six percent on the week. You know, we'll take that one. Not double digits, yeah. but we'll take it. And the ratio yeah. is that about steady? Yeah, well, it's steady, but it's low. But it's steady. Lower than you want. Lower than I, I want. It's a long plenty of trade, plenty of room for upside. I'll free frame it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of room in the ratio for upside. And uh, tell me about the total crypto market cap. We just broke this morning one point eight trillion dollars. Is that? Well, I don't. Is that I don't think we all time highs. Uh, yeah, we have not. Well, not all time highs uh, for the total crypto market cap. I think we got a little bit above that. No, but, but I, I mean, mean it's cycle cycle all time highs, right? Oh, that's what I mean. I mean, I think we we hit one point eight six right at the Bitcoin ETF approval, and it's been down since then. Uh, so we are 60, $60 billion off of cycle, total crypto market cap, all-time highs. Wow. Uh, I want two, two trillion. Two you trillion. Two? And then two what happens trillion. at two? You just feel better? You get to three. <laughs> it's never enough for you, is it? No. Uh, let's, t- well, let's talk about something that's never enough, which is uh, total locked value in layer twos and transactions on layer twos. It can never be enough for me, David. Uh, this layer two update is brought to you by Mantle, which is a new and upcoming layer two that we especially enjoy. By the way, I think METH is at all time nah. highs. Speaking of all time highs, which is Mantle M- staked ETH. Yeah. TVL on Mantle all-time highs. Also, METH also now in Eigenlayer. So there's a bunch of uh, Mantle Ether in Eigenlayer. And what they're going to do, there's, they're juicing the Mantle ETH yields which, like natively. So like the Mantle ETH yield is like 7%. And all of the Mantle METH treasury that's now in Eigenlayer, they're just going to send the points over to the METH holders on the Mantle layer. Too. Oh, that's cool. cool. You get yeah. some yield on your yield, huh? Yeah, that's what yeah. I like. Uh, some points on your yield on your yield. <laughs> <laughs> some points on my yield on my yield. Wow. Yeah. This is uh, crypto in 2024, <laughs> folks. Uh, well, we're close to all-time highs in total value locked in layer twos at $22 billion and activity. Uh, yeah, not too bad. We're about five Ethereum's worth of activity. Five and a half. Twos. Yeah. I, I'm, half. I'm, I want that number to be higher. I'm dissatisfied by that number. Yeah. I want eight. I want eight. Show me eight. eight? Yeah. How about how about you think uh, post the next Ethereum hard fork EIP four eight four four you think that unleashes oh, yeah. the beast that's here? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think that jumps to? I don't know. I mean, transactions get cheaper. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, um, first transactions get cheaper, and then there is more of them in that right. order of operations. I mean, transactions get cheaper, and that induces demand. Like right. that would be the theory, and so yep. you know we get more activity. Um, mm-hmm. Although I don't actually know if um, cost of transactions on layer twos how much of a constraint that is. It's got to be somewhat of a constraint, right? Because... Well, yeah. If you lower costs, you have more arbitrage opportunities. Well, how much does it cost? How much does a a transaction like moving ETH on... Uh, arbitrary optimism or optimism. I think it's like it's like four or five cents four or five cents right now. and then to swap on Unis- on uniswap it's like 11 to 12 cents so we're going to fractions of a penny right point 
momentarily yeah. and then it'll will, it will come back up to about those prices but then there will be like a 20 to 30 to 40 percent more transactions so i guess if transactions are like you know five cents ten cents mm -hmm. 25 cents 30 cents that is a constraint i think on activity that's sure. that's enough where yep. you kind of like pause and like do you yep. actually need to do this or not so it's enough yeah. um, well it's enough to like uh, a lot of automated transactions don't happen. I think user transactions, users don't care about, like, users don't think about 30 cents unless they're doing a ton of stuff. But, you know, how many times do you touch your ledger every single day? Uh, yeah, not not very often. I, um, not that often. I do think bots are big, uh, big activity time. drivers here, right? A lot of, a lot of robots yeah. using their chains here. Right. Uh, well, let's get to some general market news. And there is some, you know, like downside, I guess, uh, yeah. right now in the markets. This is a tweet from Don't get Matt too Hogan. excited. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. He says, 1.4 billion of GBTC from the Genesis bankruptcy. Ah, forgot about that. We still got to clean right. that up. Still, still got that. Potentially followed by another 1.2 billion in the future, again from Genesis. He says, this is a lot for the market to digest in a short period of time. So, okay, we still have Genesis, I guess, to uh, to go through their liquidation process. And that's going to be some Bitcoin outflows. Do you think that'll be downward pressure on price? It will, it will cease upward pressure on price. It will delay upward pressure on price, in my opinion. Yeah. Which I think, I know we're all, we want upward, we want upward movements because that's what, of course, obviously. Uh, but also the longer that we can go before all time highs, in my mind, the better, the healthier, the less degen, the more responsible, the, the longer we can grow out the infrastructure. Listen to like, you. If we can just stretch stretch out the anticipatory period as long as possible. <laughs> wow. You know? <laughs> and just like... <laughs> I don't stay, know where we're going with this. Stay but... edging, you know? We just got to <laughs> edge our way there. <laughs> the Slow and steady. Slow and yeah. steady wins the race is what my co-host is trying to say. Yes. I, you know what? I don't know if I would have heard this from, from the David Hoffman of 2019 and 2020. I don't know no, if I would have heard David Hoffman that. I was saying urging that. caution and slowness. I think you would just be like, bring it on, man. Like Brit, yeah, I want like, my tenants. I, I want my portfolio to go up just like the next guy, but I know it's good for me. Like, <laughs> I want it to go up slowly and surely and, and long over time because I want the good times to stick around, not right. just like have a blow off top. You know? Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy your beer. You know, I don't want to have a, wanna... a premature bull market. No one enjoys those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a bad uh, time for everyone. Well, moving on, David, let's talk about the uh, Bitcoin spot ETF. This horse race of horse races, where all mm -hmm. of the the bankers have uh, jumped into Bitcoin with their their ETF products. Which is winning? Who are the winning horses at this stage, David? Well, GBTC is still in the lead in terms of like AUM. It's got seventy one percent of the market, but that number is going that some number is getting smaller, and then all the other numbers are getting bigger. So, uh, Ibit from BlackRock at eleven and a half percent. FBTC from Fidelity at 10%, ARC at 2.6%, and then Bitwise at 2.5%. Um, but like the if you're watching on screen, the big blue shape is going to get eaten by the smaller rainbows. Uh, these are uh, technical terms. The, yeah. the big uh, blue, so it's opposite of Pac-Man then. It's, yeah, Pac-Man's getting smaller, rainbow's getting bigger. The rest the rest of the pie chart, we're looking at the pie chart. <laughs> uh, which also is like kind of intimidating because that GBTC definitely needs to like flow out, but that doesn't mean sold. They're, the the people that are dumping GPTC are are eager to dump, and then the GPTC that's left in G, in the grayscale now ETF, they're just getting charged really high fees, and so they're yeah. gonna they're if they want to hold, they will hold. They just need to transfer. I mean, some of these like with BlackRock, they were subsidizing it, right? It was like free. 
uh, some of these ETFs a lot of these are, like are free, are free for, the for the first six, six months. months yeah whereas mm-hmm. gbtc is still 1.5 percent uh, which wow. is insane wow. for an etf yeah, yeah and, and you can really see these uh these flows in terms of volume where actually mm-hmm. blackrock's etf is leading as uh 40 percent of the volume i i mm. guess that's on the week huh versus yeah, uh, gbtc yeah. with 30 percent so really by the time by the time listeners get this, it will be there will be thirty billion dollars of AUM inside of the Bitcoin ETFs. It's twenty nine point two right now. Well, you got a personal favorite ETF, David? Do you have any? Uh, oh, of course. On horses? Really? Yeah. Do you have a, Do you have a guess which one of my favorite is? Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Matt Hogan's. Uh, of absolutely, you gotta <laughs> you gotta give it to Bitwise. Of course. Have you ever they, had a favorite? They were ETF. here first. All of the the Black Rocks, you know, Fidelity, Fidel, Fidelity gets some kudos. Yeah. Black Rocks, you guys are just a bunch of boomers, but hey, we love you too. Yeah. Uh, you Thanks guys have all the boomer here. wealth. Thanks for being here. You're Appreciate very wealthy. It. But you gotta give it to Bitwise. They're they're like the good guys. What about Van Eck with Hoddle? Oh, cool they, they also deserve uh, deserve a shout out for sure. Super crypto natives, but uh, no, Bitwise. Bitwise wins. Okay, I I, I agree with you. I think I they also disagree. have the lowest fees. The lowest fees. Yeah, this is uh, James Safer. Big big volume day for BlackRock's ETF. Total volume over one billion for the group. So uh, yeah, when ETF, mm-hmm. huh? When James, ETF. James. We we got some things to talk about with the ETF. Uh, another number that is up in the markets we should talk about a record day for forecaster david it's 10x. I, think it's been a, I think it's been a record day every single day <laughs> yeah this was from february uh the 5th so that was monday uh ooh, is that the same day oh almost the same day the the our podcast with dan romero dropped i guess uh we probably hit new records on that podcast david that was a mm. fantastic episode i really i really enjoyed that with with dan but it's great to see the traction i've been spending as i mentioned this far Wait, well, just this, just for context yeah last week we showed this graphic of dan talking about daily active users over firecaster and it, it was hitting ten thousand, then eleven thousand, then fifteen thousand, and dan was tweeting it out oh new new record for daily active users on firecaster it was 61,000 this week. <gasps> it's four times higher. Does that still sound small, though, in the scheme of Web2? 61,000 users? That's like in a- cri- in, I don't care about Web2. I care about crypto. In crypto <laughs> terms, it's massive. It's really great. It's really yeah. great. And this is, by the way, not a token-incented uh, app. Although, mm-hmm. is it? There are, is it? There, are, there are bots. There are fake accounts on there. Like, you can just tell. Like, that, that's a fake account. Um, because I think people are now trying to increase their footprint, but it's still a big hurdle to get over to spin up a Farcaster account. Like you have to make there's you have to way make more there's way more fake bot activity, all that stuff uh, on Twitter. Else. On Twitter, yeah, uh, oh, for, for sure. sure. Oh, for I've sure. been enjoying the Farcaster uh, community. It's, been great. it's just yeah, the conversations there are just uh, you know fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of bankless uh, listeners as well. Uh, this is I've been tweeting out my uh, morning latte arts on uh, Farcaster in the morning. No, you've been casting out, David. You haven't. I've been, been casting them. Well, Dan. Dan said it's okay to say Twitter. That's what he said. <laughs> so, like, you still you still Google on Bing. Wait, wait, wait. So you've been doing what? I'm gonna look up. Uh, sorry, I haven't been following. I've your been trying your my latte hand art. Like, uh, latte art. Yeah, this latest day was the worst day. Day four, but <laughs> <laughs> I finally right, figured no, that's out. A mountain or is it a poo emoji? <laughs> <laughs> People said it looks like a fetus, which I think is correct. <laughs> what was that? What are you going for? Explain the art. Uh, Oh wait, no, that was yesterday. Yeah, latte art day four uh, was especially bad. Oh, latte a circle art, blobby thing. Circle blobby thing had a shape to it. All right, yeah. wait, you mm-hmm. are missing opportunities here because, like, you should this be NFTing good this collection, 
and you should be uh, shilling it to your followers. And then look at just... that. Look at day two. Day two is the best one. <laughs> Effed up Christmas tree. Yeah. That's actually good. I might buy that. Yeah. One tokenization. It's got your foot in the bottom too. Somebody commented, it's like, I can't believe you're showing off latte art on Farcaster after you talk <laughs> shit about all these beverages that people are drinking. This is the kind of content I think people don't get on Twitter though from you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so, true. wow, this it's exclusive true. content. Go for that. Uh, <laughs> by the way, um, they're doing, Farcaster is bringing a lot of activity to base, it looks like. Yeah. Uh huh. So mm-hmm. this is a, a, a in the in the poster. This is a cast, David, not a tweet. Wow, crazy chart displaying base dominance in the last few weeks for total transactions by chain. Farcaster users are now conducting two out of every three transactions using base. Hmm. So what's good for Farcaster is also good for our layer twos, David. Transaction mm-hmm. activity. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I kind of would think that it would be a competition between base and Zora on Farcaster to be the big destination to do your NFT minting, like kind of consumer crypto stuff. It seems to be gravitating. Those two communities are really uh, adopting Farcaster a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. David, what do we have coming up in the episode? Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Solana outage, the five-hour outage. What happened? Why did it happen? All that kind of stuff. What does it mean? Uh, How did the markets react? Uh, Then we're going to talk about Eigenlayer and it reopening the gates for liquid stake tokens, how much ETH flooded in. And the blobs are coming to the last testnet, which, spoiler, testnet did just fine, which means that we have the date for Dankun. We'll talk about that and more. But first, I'm going to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, a preferred crypto exchange in 2024. If you do not have an account with Kraken, how the hell are you getting dollars into crypto? Use Kraken. There's a link in the show notes. Kraken knows crypto. Kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade, and as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry, Kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be. Human history is a story of progress. It's part of us, hardwired. We're designed to seek change everywhere, to improve, to strive. And if anything can be improved, why not finance? Crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind. Instant permissionless, and 24-7. It's not perfect, and nothing ever will be perfect. But crypto is a world-changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most. That's the Kraken mission, to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Head on over to kraken.com bankless to see what crypto can be. Not investment advice, crypto trading involves risk of loss. Cryptocurrency services are provided to U.S. and U.S. territory customers by Payward Ventures, Inc., PVI, doing business as Kraken. It's everyone's favorite season in crypto, tax season. And crypto tax is always an absolute headache, especially for all you DGENs out there. But it doesn't have to be a nightmare. That's where Crypto Tax Calculator comes in, the software built for DGENs by DGENs. As Coinbase's official global tax partner, Crypto Tax Calculator focuses on making complex transactions into easy ones, supporting over 300,000 currencies across Ethereum, Arbitrum, Optimism, as well as a thousand other integrations as well. It's as simple as connecting your wallet, pulling in all your transactions, and following the automated suggestions to quickly and accurately calculate your tax obligations. Plus, for all the airdrop farmers out there, Crypto Tax Calculator has your back as they are consistently adding support for new and upcoming Layer 1s, Layer 2s, and all the airdrops that you're currently farming. 2024 is the year when the DGENs do their crypto taxes with speed and confidence. Make taxes this year easy and affordable with Crypto Tax Calculator. Sign up at CryptoTaxCalculator.io and get a 30% discount with code BANK30. Click the link in the show notes for more information.
Are you launching a token? Is it already live? How are you managing the legal and tax obligations for providing token grants to your team? It's no secret that token management gets complicated. Between learning all the legal language and tax obligations in every country that your team is in, token grant management can feel like an obstacle course, but it doesn't have to. That's where Toku steps in. Toku provides practical tools to handle token grants, allowing for effective oversight of token distributions and payroll tax compliance for employees, contractors, advisors, and investors. They also handle tax withholding through their real-time tax calculations that can be done by Toku or integrated into any payroll EOR providers in any jurisdiction. Toku is a trusted provider of Protocol Labs, DYDX Foundation, Mina Protocol, and many more. Get started for free and make token compensation simple at toku.com slash bankless. Solana went down this week, David. I don't know if you noticed. I know you're on the Solana chain a lot. All the it time. Was, it was down for five hours, and that is mm-hmm. the first time it's been down in almost a year. Almost made it to a year without incident uh, but it uh, fell over. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. So we don't have the complete postmortem yet, but there was a tweet from Matthew Siegel uh, who kind of gave, gave his autopsy, I'm sure the formal uh, audit, this formal like situation report will say something similar to this. He says, the BPF loader, the Berkeley packet filter, which is the mechanism to deploy, upgrade, and execute programs on Solana, which we would call smart contracts on Ethereum, failed. Uh, this seemed to relate to a previous SMID Solana improvement proposal that art- altered some of the features, including adding a blocker to stop metadata from being used in the BPF because it was no longer needed. Uh, some technical stuff. Basically, I would say the culprit of this is that Solana changes a lot. Uh, and as it's changing a lot, that can always introduce new bugs to any software. That's just the nature of software. Uh, and this and recent upgrade to one of the, the things that makes Solana run uh, implemented a bug and that caused downtime. Um, and so this is what happens when you have a single client system and you have a lot of updates going into that cl- single client system. What do you mean by single client system? Uh, single client system. There is one version of the software that runs. And if that version of the software has a bug, then the whole system has a bug. Um, and this is in contrast to a multi-client software, multi-client system like Ethereum, uh, which has five different um, clients where if one of those clients has a bug, the other clients don't care and then they keep on going. Unless, of course, that client is a majority bug, like a uh, majority client like Geth, and it has 80 something percent dominance down to like 75, I think right now. Um, anyway, over, over 66% is a problem. And if Geth had a bug, then that would be the bug of Ethereum because of the dominance. But if a minority client had a bug, then the other clients are just totally fine. Solana has one client. It's the Solana core client. They're working on their second Fire Dancer, uh, which is the, like, it's basically the proof of stake equivalent and significance of Solana. Like, they're going to become super fast, super cheap. It's going to be the second client of Solana. But then there's also nuance there because they want the Fire Dancer client to actually just replace the current client. And then the other one will client. be a lot slower, right? Compared yeah. to Fire Dancer. Yeah, by comparison. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyways, Solana went down uh, for five hours. Uh, they made a patch to the client, and then that client was released just an hour later after it went down. But then it took a number of hours for all the validators to. I, there's like this kind of like process to restarting Solana. Like all the client needs, to, all the client validators need to like sync up with each other. I don't know. Um, so it was down for five hours. Yeah. So the last time it was down prior to this was February 25th, 2023. 
Yeah, and then, almost a year. Almost yeah, a year. and then before that, 2022 was pretty spotty. With uh, yes. I don't know, there was there was, a, there was like six or seven or six something. or seven outages. You can you know kind of see them. And w- when we say down, it means like no transaction activity, yeah. like completely no down. It just like fell over uh, completely. Mm-hmm. And so, right. what is the process for restarting Solana, David? Like, what what does that look like when it when uh, Solana goes down? There's a link in the show notes to check out Matthew Siegel's tweets. He can kind of explain the details of it in at a technical capacity. I want to skip to the very last tweet in the tweet thread. And he talks about the second order effects of what happens when a chain goes down. He goes, once restarted, there will be a flurry of DeFi activity as ARB bots, arbitrage bots, seek to take advantage of all the arbitrages that have materialized. Because when Solana goes down, the world goes on, markets continue, and Solana is as a state machine is not updating to the state of the world. Uh, and so he said that some estimates there might be as high as $25 million in MEV. Really hard to measure this in like real time. Uh, but as soon as the Solana blockchain gets started again, like liquid, there are stale prices that need to get updated. There's people that needs to be liquidated. Like there's a bunch of stuff that happens. And this is one of the concerns of having a system that has poor liveness is that when it restarts again, Whenever it goes down and it restarts again, there's just this massive fight for all of that arbitrage. Uh, and this generally not a desirable property of, of a system. Yeah, it's uh, also generally not a desirable property, of course, for a blockchain to go down no. in the first place, particularly no, when it's kind of like a, a layer one blockchain. Um, Ethereum had an event not quite like this because of its multi-client architecture, mm-hmm. but uh, was it with the Prism client? Oh my God, that was like... Uh, it was with the Prism client. Yeah, you're talking about the uh, non-finality event? Yes. Um, right. How would that have compared to something like this from your recollection? Right, okay. So the non-finality event was that blocks were being propagated around Ethereum. The blockchain was operating as normally from a user perspective. All transactions were going through, but they just weren't fine. They weren't being finalized because less than 66% of the chain was of was finalizing. Uh, and finalizing is just like economic security. Uh, so it, it, it's like the first line of defense in the Ethereum system uh, before an actual outage. So one one client of Ethereum went down, and that was and that brought down more than a third of the network. And so because of Ethereum's multi-client design, because Ethereum is larger than any one client, the rest of the clients are fine. It's just not finalizing, as in there is uh, risk of uh, reorgs if further c- catastrophe happened. So it's kind of like you, you get to take two bullets rather than one. So in that time of Ethereum where there was like a non-finality event that I think lasted like half a day, maybe less, um, Ethereum took like a bullet, but it had body armor. But like then a for a moment, yeah. that body armor was gone. And so if it took another bullet, then then we would have like a real big issue. Yeah, um, like a, but, a castle with multiple walls and the first exactly. wall was kind of breached, right? Exactly, um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was really interesting. So first of all, um, something that didn't happen was the price of sold didn't tank. So the market yeah. kind of like shrugged this off. Yeah, it and, went down like two or 3%, which I would consider not reacting. And I didn't see much of this conversation on crypto Twitter because I just wasn't going out and looking right. for it. I'm sure there was some grave dancing by some. I'm sure there was other, who, um, you know, from like maybe the Solana tribe. Well, I think everyone kept it pretty tame, I would really? say. Really? I think, uh, like, overall, it was a tame thing. Okay. 
Yeah. Also, there was definitely the, some grave dancers, but like, you know, how can it not be? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is not great. Was it, was it me? You should preface this. This is just a simple prediction. Yes. I re- recall, David, that um, one of your January 4th, 2024 predictions of this year, number five was Solana goes down. So I just wanted to say congrats on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, your prediction, you, you called it. And uh-huh. um, yeah, Solana's look move fast and break things. And so they're moving fast and things mm-hmm. are breaking. And uh, yeah, this is David Mihal saying honestly i thought this prediction was unrealistic enjoy your w david <laughs> so there you go thanks david solana there's always next year <laughs> moving on eigenlayer caps open up hits five billion dollars in total locked value it was opened this monday until february 9th which is today at the time of listening if you're listening to this on friday all pools are fully uncapped so it's like a time opened gate there's no caps except for the time. And so at Wait, there's Friday, no caps? T- for how long? Until Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so no caps until Friday then. Friday the 9th? Tomorrow, yes. Tomorrow for today, us. Today, by the time. Today of- for listeners. Today okay. for listeners, 12 p.m. Pacific time, time. Not Yeah, not much time. So you And so infinite amounts of ETH can go in until you know the limit of ETH. Uh, but then once that time is, uh, then the doors shut. Uh, and so uh, as like a result of that. I like how you said that. that. An infinite <laughs> amount of ETH until and, there's and, no more ETH. <laughs> until there's no more ETH, yeah. You're capped um, by the supply. Capped by the supply, yeah. Uh, there is, we just crossed $5 billion in TVL in Eigenlayer, $5.3 billion. It was $5 billion when I looked at this. Now it's at $5.3. Um, Eigenlayer is just hoovering up the ETH, bro. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's munching it. Uh, it is eating <laughs> all the ETH that it can. Look at these like big, um, you know. So, so how I wonder how high it could get because this must be still climbing, right? Until it's climbing right now, until twelve p.m. PST on February 9th. Mm-hmm. and then what happens after that? Another pause? Uh, yeah, I'm guessing that this is probably the well, maybe there's more. Uh, this this could be one of the last opens uh, openings of the gate until Eigenlayer mainnet. Um, I'm just speculating here, uh, but there's just like a lot of ETH in there. How much more ETH do they want? Um, granted, I mean, everyone much... wants Eigenlayer points, which is why this is happening. Uh, I, I will I say gonna... everyone else should just totally unstake their ETH and get out um, because <laughs> I've got it and I'll take it from here. I'll just take the points. <laughs> I, points I will restake. Uh, it'll be fine. Everyone I don't go know away. why you're so upset. They're just points, David. It's not like there's any value attached to it. It's not like it's not. a token. It's just no, a point. A I volunteer to collect the points. Um, what What's going to be interesting to find out is once the, um, the limiters are off, the governors are completely off, like what will the market what what's the mm. ceiling for the market in terms of total deposits in eigenlayer and we haven't quite seen that yet so mm-hmm. we'll have to see and of course um all of this is a lot of speculation on this whole avs market these eigen applications that really are starting to get built but nothing has come out that you know will we'll do something uh you know functionally fantastic i mean we're all betting on the future utility of the eigenlayer ecosystem uh what, what's your take on that you think that's a good bet do you think there's real stuff being developed right now yeah, it's it's a speculative bet. Uh, I, the people intending to build good stuff are numerous. The teams building AVSs are numerous. The uh, excitement, the nerd sniping that is being done by Eigenlayer in both TradFi and in like Silicon Valley Web2 software as a service tech circles. It, Eigenlayer is opening up doors to these people that were not previously nerd sniped by Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, all these different like waves of adoption that like, you know, Solana to its credit, nerd sniped people that did not get nerd sniped by Ethereum. Ethereum, 
nerdsniped people that did not get nerdsniped by Bitcoin. Eigenlayer is doing the same thing. It's nerdsniping people on Wall Street. It's nerdsniping people in San Francisco. Uh, it's building, and because it's building out unique use cases that can like very elegantly and simply hook into you know, Web2 and TradFi without having to be all like chainy and crypto-y. Uh, and so I think it's, it's a, a new way to export crypto economics to out the outside world. So that is, that's all of that is real. Right now, everyone is speculating on eigenlayer points, on eigen, the eigenlayer uh, airdrop. So my con my concern, actually, Ryan, is like when eigenlayer mainnet ships sometime Q2 is when, uh, as Sriram said, um, when I did my Q&A with him, uh, why will all of the ethers stay put? Because a lot of these AVSs still need to be built out. Right, like the 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 incentives are the points. I'm assuming um, some will stay because they want to stay committed to. Oh, so you think there's a potential as once we launch, uh, some of this capital then floods back out of Eigenlayer? Yes, uh, uh, I think I think that's a rational thing to to assume that. So some people are just here for the points. The speculative mania. Right Could you now. imagine just being here for the points? I God. can't even imagine. Could what not imagine. Kind of a sick person. Just <laughs> You know, takes their, their points ETH. and leaves. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the restaking wars uh, as well, the mm -hmm. LRT wars. And uh, yeah, g give us an update. This is kind of like the Bitcoin ETFs we we're talking about. There's a number of horses in the race, mm -hmm. and, and some are, are winning versus others, but it kind of changes on a week-to-week -week basis. What are we looking at here? This is a, a cool little graphic showing all of the liquid restaking protocols, the people that are aggregating um, AVS yields, putting them into a token, just like LSTs. Uh, and we are just watching them collect their ETH, to collect the TVL over time. And you see like EtherFi far in the lead at the very, very top, followed by KelpDAO, Renzo, then Eigenpot. And then Puffer out of nowhere on the second, just like rocketing up in TVL oh, yeah. to jump into second place. Uh, so EtherFi breaking 700 million this week, Puffer breaking 300 million this week, uh, Kelpdel coming in third, followed by Renzo. This uh, graphic, the, the, the GIF is five days old. So now what Ryan's showing on the screen is now um, up, super up to date. Um, 850 million for EtherFi coming in at number one. Oh my God, Puffer at $770 million. Wow, amazing. Um, apparently, Justin Sun just put a bunch of Ether into Puffer. Um, Puffer <laughs> has taken only uh, staked ETH from Lido. So all of the TVL and Puffer is Lido staked ETH, and it is their tension. As soon as their like their validator, um, the validator's mainnet launches, they will swap out the liquid staked ETH from Lido into Puff ETH, which is the point. Uh, and so all of the ether inside of Lido gets taken out of Lido and put into Puffer as a vampire attack, which is taking one thirtieth of all Lido ether away from Lido. So like really like carving into Lido dominance. Huh. Well, that's yeah. a good thing, right? I mean, it's yes. a good thing for the network. So LRTs are gen like all of these uh, are new names, you know, mm -hmm. like new projects new in the fold. Yeah. So this isn't some of the dominant um, liquid staking tokens that are kind mm -hmm. of like taking the lead here. So that's good new names, see. new Lindy clocks, the risks, risks reset. Everything is new again. Oh, so, here's Van Spencer saying what we just said, except in a more pithy form. He says Eigenlayer <laughs> TVL is up to five billion. Uh, from 2.15 billion just two days ago, all the L2s and restaking and staking apps are just black holes for Ether. It was an Ether's money tweet. Surprise. <laughs> He's taking our place, David. <laughs> and thanks to all of this activity, we have a new high in the share of all Ether that is staked, and that is 25%. 25% of all Ether is staked. Um, I think the previous in the previous era, the EF people all kind of thought that between 20 and 30% of all ETH would become staked and that would be equilibrium. 
But that was really before the complete total acceptance of LSTs as an equilibrium. And that was before Eigenlayer. Um, I think we're going to blow past that 30% number uh, pretty damn quickly here. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to start to approach like one third, one half. Uh, but right now, 25%. David, there was a, another announcement this week that I noticed that Binance was uh, delisting Monero yeah. from its exchange. So uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I think for the newcomers, the people who came in 2021 and beyond, this won't be like perceived a very big deal. But I'll say this is this marks the end of an era. Binance delisting Monero, delisting mm -hmm. the last privacy chain. Privacy chains used to be a huge sector in 2017 when you and I got into to crypto. There was it Monero, was like, there was um, Dash, Dash, Zcash. Zcash. Yeah. There was a bunch of others. Um, God, remember, remember Mimblewimble? Oh, yeah. Okay, I yeah. mean, the, the pitch was basically Bitcoin's perfect. The only thing it's missing is privacy. privacy and so right. we need privacy specific mm -hmm. chains that deliver privacy at the base protocol right. layer and that these would all kind of like take off and finally mm -hmm. deliver that missing functionality. Never came to fruition, did it? No. And I would say Monero won the privacy chain wars, all the chains that were meant for privacy. Monero won. Best privacy, best community, uh, managed to be the best store of value, even though it was a poor store of value for the privacy chains. But now the king of privacy chains is being delisted from Binance. And I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what properties you have. If you don't have liquidity, you can't compete. And if you're delisted from, you're not being listed by Coinbase. You're not being listed by Kraken. That's not happening. So I'm kind of declaring Monero to be formally like dead as a money store of value, which is the end of an era. That is the end of a big. Era I think it in still can be used in very small niche case, uh, like niche use cases, but it's just going to be absolutely tiny because yeah, not for like regular use cases, like the bad ones. Well, yeah, my take on this was uh, this is why privacy chains don't work is because right. they're not programmable. They don't have the other verbs like you can just send Monero, but you can't exchange. Monero from one asset to another without what going to Binance, mm -hmm. going to a central, going to a bank. And what are the banks going to do? Well, they're going to be requested by, commanded by, pushed into by the state, not listing any of these privacy coins because nation states do not necessarily want to encourage mm -hmm. on-chain privacy, <laughs> right? Certainly that's not. exactly that's exactly what is happening here. I think you had a take on this as well. Yeah, I just think this isn't a coincidence that this is happening right after the, not right after, but just like not that long after the Binance Department of Justice settlement. Um, the Department of Justice doesn't want privacy. Uh, so just a big old reminder. We, we're probably going to win the right to have DeFi. We're probably going to win the right to have our private keys. We're probably going to win everything that we want except for privacy. Privacy is still on the table, something that we still need to fight for if we want the maximally a successful version of crypto. And that's going to be a hard fight. I do think Ethereum is on the frontier of that fight yes. as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, if it's not there, I don't know where else it is. So right. uh, we'll see how that evolves. David, what do we have coming up next? <laughs> a registered token securities exchange wants to list ETH, ETH as a security. Christ, we're talking about this again. Uh, and blobs are live on the last test net ready for mainnet. When is Dankun? I'll tease it for the third time this show. We're about to find out. We're going to tell you right after this. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Mantle, the Layer 2 with extra high yields that are now giving you eigenpoints if you use the Layer 2. Check it out. There's a link in the show notes.
Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses EigenLayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. You know Uniswap, it's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Save simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There's a link in the show notes. Celo is the mobile-first EVM-compatible carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. Driving real-world use cases like mobile payments and mobile DeFi, and with Opera Minipay as one of the fastest-growing Web3 wallets, Celo is seeing a meteoric rise with over 300 million transactions and 1.5 million monthly active addresses. And now, Celo is looking to come home to Ethereum as a Layer 2. Optimism, Polygon, Matter Labs, and Arbitrum have all thrown their hats in the ring for the Celo Layer 2 to build upon their stacks. Why the competition? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability secured by Ethereum validators, and one-block finality. What does that all mean for you? With Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas natively using ERC-20 tokens, sending crypto to phone numbers across wallets using Social Connect. But Celo is a community-governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forums, follow Celo on Twitter, and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. March 13th is the next Ethereum hard fork, the Den Kuhn hard fork that introduces blobs to the Ethereum protocol. Blobs, the second fee market alongside Blockspace. We now also have Blobspace, and Blobspace is reserved for Layer 2s. Not totally reserved. There's probably going to be some inscriptions bullshit in there too. Um, <laughs> La- but- layer 2s are going to be the big consumers of yes. it. They use the most Blobspace totally. of any. There's going to be some other upgrades as well, but mainly it's the blobs that we were excited about. Uh, the last testnet uh, just merged, uh, merged. That's just updated to uh, to include blobs to include uh, 4844 on Holsky. It was totally successful. So the main net date has been decided as March 13th. Uh, do you see a little graphic that they put in when uh, the the EIP 4844 was accepted? The little blob ASIC ASIC it's a blob. I don't even know what it looks like. But it's a blob. <laughs> it looks like your lattes, man. I, I can't even tell what this looks like. 
<laughs> yeah so we got a blob in ascii format here so uh mm-hmm. that's great uh thanks to the devs for uh getting that through so if ETH, ETH layer two transactions price will go down optimism arbitrum pretty mm-hmm. much right away like pretty close yep. to the release and then, and then they'll go up to celebrate uh, this and also just public goods in general and also the Protocol Guild. There is a NounsDAO collaboration with the Protocol Guild uh, collaboration. They're mostly just sponsoring this like animation with all of these cute characters about all the Layer 2s. Um, is it anime? I think that's I think that counts as anime. I'm not an anime expert. Uh, it's a cartoon. Yeah, it's a cartoon. Car- I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Cartoon featuring Polygon, Squirrel, Starknet, ZK Sync, as well as, of course, Arbitrum, Optimism. Everyone has little characters. There's going to be this cute little animation. Uh, and then the animation short is going to be released as an NFT at the Dankun upgrade. Uh, and then all the proceeds for purchasing that NFT will go to the Protocol Guild. If you collect little artifacts, right, with, with every time Ethereum hard forks, like people do this, right? There's mm-hmm. like POAPs that happen every hard yeah, fork. Yeah. There's things like this. And this would be a good thing to add to your collection. Yeah, it's it's a collection about Ethereum history. Um, and you'll be able to show your kids and your th- kids are going to think that you're super cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they sure will. Um, okay, <laughs> speaking of super cool things, uh, the Taproot Wizards, the Quantum Cats sold out. Nothing more exciting than <laughs> NFTs and Bitcoin, David. What happened in the Bitcoin NFT world this week? I t- I'm sensing a little bit of sass in your voice, but man. <laughs> There's no sass. <laughs> 3,333 OP cat NFTs were sold at 0.1 OP Bitcoins. OP cats? I thought they were quantum cats. Uh, quantum cats. Uh, the meme is coming out of uh, the OP cat opcode. An opcode. So all opcodes on Bitcoin start with OP. Uh, opcode OP cat. Not, like, see, I, I'm such an Ethereum. I know OP is optimism. Yeah, I don't right. know OP is opcode for Bitcoin. You, you got to get your Bitcoiner on, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's a Bitcoin. Uh, it's like this OP cat thing. Um, uh, it's an it's an ordinal. This is Udi Wertheimer and Eric Wall. Uh, yeah, uh, Quantum Cats sold out immediately. Very hyped NFT drop on Bitcoin. Denominated in Bitcoin, obviously. I'm not used to denominating in Bitcoin. Uh, like I said, sold at 0.1 Bitcoins. Current floor, 0.27 Bitcoins. Another sign, Ryan, that the bull market is on is when mints are like tripling in price right after drop. Can I ask you a question? I, d- I don't know the full oh history boy. here. I mean, if we had Anthony Sasano here, I'm sure he mm-hmm. can tell, tell us. That guy keeps receipts of everybody in the space. Udi, mm-hmm. was he previously like a NFTs are dumb, I hate NFTs type of Bitcoiner? Or am I just misremembering that? Well, Udi is um, a amateur edgelord. And so he <laughs> thinks everything is I think dumb. He's, I disagree. I think he's a pro edgelord. I think yeah, he's, he's actually a, well, pretty good at it. No, because uh, by definition, if you're an edgelord, you cannot be professional at anything. <laughs> Okay, so that was a compliment. I get yeah, it. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah, yeah. you're saying that it's hard. See, to NFTs know. on Ethereum are dumb, but NFTs on Bitcoin are based. I just want to know if that's actually what he used to say, because if so, <laughs> I'm I'm 100 percent confident you can find an Udi tweet somewhere <laughs> talking about how dumb <laughs> NFTs are. Oh man. Well, you know what? If I cared more, I would go uh, find that tweet and uh, you know. Just uh, resurface it. Um, David, Synthetics is going to have its own chain because why not? Does every app need a chain? Does every DeFi protocol need a chain? Tell, tell us about this. Well, I think this is the Cosmos thesis. If you are a sufficiently successful DeFi protocol, and if Synthetics is not that, then who the hell is? Then you get to elevate yourself to the status of app chain. It's like the highest order of app you can be. First, first app, 
than app chain. Um, it's like a Pokemon evolution. You just kind of like you just grow yeah. into your app chain. Oh my god, that's a great meme. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, first <laughs> app on a layer two, then you get to be big enough to go down to the layer one, and then you get to be big enough to justify your own chain. Okay, uh, so, so synthetics is putting on its big boy pants and exactly. it's launching its chain. Yeah. And synthetics has been just like along the optimism ride for a long time. Kane and the optimism team has been super close. Synthetics was the second app to leverage optimism after Uniswap. So first there was Unipigs and then synthetics had their own like custom optimism deployment. Uh, and so rather than synthetics deploying on many, many, many different chains, synthetics is just going to have an OP stack snacks chain. God, is that the name of it? Snacks Chain? Uh, SNX Collateral, of course. Um, and that will be the home of all S synthetics uh, perps activity uh, and will also be a part of the super chain. So I remember that um, last time I heard from Kane on this, I read a blog post. I think uh, you did an episode with Kane not too yeah, long right, ago. And one, right one, mm-hmm. one of the big problems to solve for synthetics was fragmented liquidity yep. across the ecosystem. Does yep. this solve fragmented liquidity? Because I'm seeing this could mean a single place to borrow SUSD, synthetics USD, against SNX mm-hmm. and allows for the potential to leverage all of this. Uh, to be used as uh, collateral across many chains. Does essentially solve some of the liquidity problem that um, you know has faced synthetics? I don't think it solves some of them. I think it solves all of them because it makes a single single instance, a singleton instance of synthetics aggregates all the liquidity all in one spot. Kane has always just been so far ahead of the curve. Everyone thinks that Compound and Robert Leshner invented yield farming, but Kane invented yield farming like 18 months earlier than that. <laughs> um, and remember when our recent Justin Drake fixing fragmentation episode where yes. eventually like instead of Uniswap deployment on 17 different optimism chains, uh, you would just have a uni chain and that uni chain would actually just be like the uni smart contract on the Ethereum layer one, except it would be a chain that would be and that would be contract called by other layer twos. And that would be the uni chain. And Kane of Synthetics and the Synthetics team are just getting ahead of the curve here. Even before some of the uh, some of the other issues around fragmentation are solved, they're saying, well, this is where the puck is going. We're going to build our Snacks chain now. S-N-A-X chain. I still remember the days when uh, Synthetics uh, pivoted to EOS. Do you remember that? Slight de- detour for a while? That was in the very no. early days. What? You don't remember this? They did? Yeah, true story. Uh, Holy I'll send you some links afterwards. Not. You got rece- you got receipts of that, bro. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, they were they were uh, all in on EOS for wow. some period of months. But uh, after, but before the Haven, uh, they it pivoted from Haven Haven to Synthetics. You're saying after it was Synthetics. I don't know the, if it was actually. It may have been in between that pivot. Okay. But Haven that, Haven. They, I will give them a pass. Then you give them a pass. <laughs> he can have. You can, can have his EC ETH Maxi card back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Fractal Launch, um, Frax Finance. They have they are up to some cool things. This is actually a really interesting ecosystem. Now they have launched, I believe, their own chain as well, the yep. Frax chain. Fraxtal. It's also a part of the Fraxtal. Optimism Super Chain. Fractal. Okay. Yeah. T- what's going on here? Kind of the same thing. Um, Frax started off as just another um, decentralized stablecoin. Not to say just another, just a very successful decentralized stablecoin. And they were actually front-running MakerDAO on what, like everyone's super stoked on MakerDAO's endgame and Frax has been just like doing that endgame for like a year now. Building out, the, they, they forked Aave. I'm pretty sure they forked Aave. If they didn't, then they just built a, off Aave lookalike uh, to have their own lending market for uh, the, the Frax stablecoin to build out liquidity, um, they, their own AMM, 
also on Frax. And so they just have this DeFi superstructure that was on the layer one, and now they are turning it into a chain. So this is like all the Cosmos people are watching this happen and be like, ha ha ha, we told you. And then all the Ethereum people are like, ha ha ha, but it's on Ethereum. Uh, <laughs> uh, and this is what Frax is doing. Uh, and so they have th this very like sophisticated vertically integrated DeFi financial suite of products all put together into a single chain. Uh, I th thought this picture was actually pretty um, illustrative of what they were doing. I think if you want to scroll down. And so this is the fac Frax-centric view of the world. You have the big Frax chain, which is an OP stack chain. And so the OP stack chain is the little dot that connects it to Ethereum and all of Ethereum's rollups. But since Frax chain can have its own interoperability um, solutions. It also gives its optionality to connect to like Solana or Bitcoin or like Polkadot or all the other ones. Uh, and so if you are, are a um, what they call a fraximalist, a frax maximalist, this is your <laughs> view of the world. This is how the network frax topology the looks center, like huh? to you. Yeah, frax at the center. Yeah. Um, really, really cool. Uh, part again, like you said, part of the optimism super chain. And I want to bring this to a John Charbono meme, which I thought was hilarious, which is an app launches an app chain mm -hmm. and that app chain gets users activity, wants more value capture and integration. Okay. Therefore an app chain becomes a general purpose chain for other apps to deploy on. That's where Frax is going next. And then that app that deploys on Frax chain grows to in success and then wants to a to be on a general purpose app to optimize for more customizability, sovereignty, and value capture. And then we start at the very beginning, which is, okay, <laughs> that new app just launches an app chain. So, so this is going to be the iterative cycle of apps launching on the app chains, becoming app chains, becoming more general. And this is just how the industry is going to move forward here. Fractals. Fractals and chains all the way down. Apps and yeah. chains and more chains and more apps and more chains. David, are you a, a GoDaddy? Do you ever use GoDaddy for your domains? Do you have any Dude. domains? I don't have any domains, and I've always thought GoDaddy is a weird name. It's but pretty, whatever. it's pretty. It's kind of cringe. It's kind of like it's I just think like, what, what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like why'd you name it that? Yeah. Uh, -huh. uh anyway, they they're big um domain name service for Massive. the internet. So like, yeah. we have some of our domains there. I don't know if you know this, but Bankless.com is actually registered on on GoDaddy. No. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you take care of this. They have a partnership with ENS now, so they've uh, launched a partnership where you can mm -hmm. actually connect your GoDaddy domain name, so your do right. .com to your .eth with ENS. And mm. you can configure this in the back end. I haven't fully figured out how this works because I've been wanting to get um, bankless.eth to actually work in the, the browser and mm -hmm. render bankless.com, like connect those mm. two things together. Haven't been able to figure that out yet. There, like I have some configuration required with Cloudflare, but the fact that we were getting there, we are linking our ENSs mm -hmm. with our DNSs. I think that is a big step forward for the industry. What does that unlock? Well, we can basically uh, use, you know, potentially you could send me money to uh, rsa.com if I own that. Or actually I have ryansadams.com. So you could send me money that way and I'm route to my ETH right address now. potentially. You're going to do that right now? Yes. Won't get to me. <laughs> I mean, you could do stuff like that. We, we are <laughs> connecting our worlds. is parked free. You are parked. Yeah, it's parked. I don't use it yet. Okay. You thought, what, what did you expect? You think it was like some kind of oh, website, no, like just a, like, like me? Like a bio. It's like, yeah. It's like, hi, I'm Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan. <laughs> just some other side business Welcome I to my website. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you wish it was that. Uh, so that is the news. Receive crypto. Here, here's what you could do with it. Look at this. Receive yeah, crypto yeah. with your GoDaddy domain name. 
I think it's got to start from there. That's got to be like the base. Like, yeah, that's the simple one. You can type .com instead of .eth, but it's got to grow from there. Like we're like kind of in the same vein of cross-trained contract calls, like .com referencing stuff on Ethereum using ENS names. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to grow from there. It's going to be yeah. a bigger deal than it sounds like right now, David. Did you see this uh, amendment to the spot ETH ETF from ARK21, Ryan? Do you see what's going on here? No, what's going on? Okay, so um, Eric Baltrunas goes, here we go again. ARK21 shares, same entity, just filed an amendment S1 for their spot ETH ETF. And this is something that we saw you know, in increasing frequency ap- approaching the uh, spot Bitcoin ETF approval. This one was a little bit different, though. Uh, so if you uh, go to the next tweet, uh, this was a highlighted part of the amendment, which talks about ETH staking inside of the ETH ETF. I'm going to read a quote here. This is some fine print right here. Super fine print. Yeah. The, uh, the sponsor may from time to time stake a portion of the trust assets through one or more trusted third party staking providers. The trust would receive certain staking rewards of Ether tokens, which may be treated as income to the trust. Staking activity comes with risk of loss of Ether tokens including in the form of slashing penalties. Additionally, bonding and unbonding processes of Ethereum may render the tokens inaccessible for a period of time, resulting in certain liquidity risks that the sponsor will manage. What's all that mean? Uh, We're getting a staked ETH ETF. Not now. Not this year. Probably not. It's not going to come. It's going to be vanilla out of the gate. They're applying for it. They're They're, filing for it. We're we're shooting our shot for the staked (laughs) ETH ETF. First, we're going to get the vanilla one, but people are lining up for the staked one, um, including ARC 21 shares, which is... you think we'll get the staked one? Well, we will get the staked one in the fullness of time. It's more of a question of like, are we going to get it... Before Gary or after Gary? Are we going to get it in 2025 or not? Yeah, yeah. Will will Gary allow it or not? It's kind of a question. Uh, Mm Yeah. Okay, got it. Well, that's that's good news to see that yep. uh, continue to evolve. David, there is a wormhole airdrop incoming. That's a massive bridge protocol. One of the yeah. most used bridges. The ticker will be W. Got Which some is pretty maxims. Chad. That's yeah. a pretty Chad ticker. No, that's a great ticker. <laughs> just just one initial um, W. Back to Ethereum ETF type stuff. Did you see this? This is in the news. Um, the SEC may be forced to declare, this is Fortune Crypto. The SEC may be forced to declare Ethereum security after a controversial new launch. I saw tons what? of headlines like this this week. So do you remember that company, Prometheum, which is like- Yeah, with like the Lizard Man CEO. A licensed security exchange, okay? And I can't remember this uh, guy's name, Kaplan. Uh, he was in front of Congress. Last time I saw him, he was in front of Congress, um, basically simping the Gary Gensler SEC message that, yeah. of course, Ether is a security. And by the way, Prometheum, the exchange that I founded, is going to be a registered, licensed securities exchange. And so his message was, don't tell me, those crypto renegades, you lawbreakers, <laughs> that you can't come in and uh, just register with the SEC, because of course you can. I have. And he uh, went on the podcast tour talking about Ether as a security. Anyway, the first asset that Prometheum has chosen to list is Ether. Is Ether. Okay, so they're a securities exchange with the Ether as their first uh, tokenized security. So what do you think that means, David? They're going to go out of business. <laughs> I don't even know if that was the point. I don't know what this guy's doing. Honestly, there's some speculation. Look, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but it's just um, very congruent with the SEC's message and like government plant. I don't know. I don't know. It's exactly what Gary Gensler wants to hear. (laughs) It's just weird. Anyway, can you pull up? Can you pull up a picture of this man? Can you? uh, We should. uh, We shouldn't like. 
just his looks. Do it. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Please do it. Brad, have you seen uh, uh, American Psycho? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Are you saying Patrick Bateman vibes here? Yeah. Big time. <laughs> big time. That, that is a lizard man. That is a oh, lizard human. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, let's leave it at that then. Okay, here's the good news, though. The good news is apparently it doesn't work like this. So oh, I'm just shocked. Mike Selig, crypto lawyer, says the SEC has effectively conceded ETH isn't a security multiple times. I guess they would debate that, but I think they mm-hmm. have to. But left ambiguity. Prometheum need only re- reasonably believe ETH is a crypto asset security to custody it. SEC permitting Prometheum to custody ETH as a security because of this ambiguity won't make ETH a security. All right, so Shocker. just because Prometheum and Ka- Kaplan custody it as a security doesn't automatically make ETH a security. That's not how this whole thing works. So uh, I think the fortune headline is wrong there, David, and we can uh, move on. <laughs> yeah, we should move on. <laughs> This is this is my response to Mr. Aaron Kaplan. This is, I think, how the industry will respond to him. Um, this is a dog petting a cat. <laughs> Dogs way bigger. Cats there. tiny. They're there. It's like, yeah, that's that's cute. You're cute. You're cute, bro. <laughs> There's a raise this week that Bankless Ventures was an investor in. This is Omega. Bitcoin DeFi infrastructure raised six million dollars with participation from Bankless Ventures, that's us, Borderless Capital, Fraction, Lightspeed, Blockchain, and a few other angels as well. Yano from uh, Blockworks, G-Money, OSF, uh, and then a bunch of other participation as well. What is it? What is it? Uh, it is Bitcoin smart contracts, like a multi-sig on Bitcoin. Basically very simple. You can either move Bitcoin out of these accounts or you cannot. Connected to a chain link or other Oracle type service that connects to uh trading strategies on Ethereum or any other smart contract platform. So it's kind of like Yearn-like accounts on Ethereum connected to an oracle that goes to Bitcoin. And then the last piece of the puzzle is that uh, institutional capital will give Bitcoin holders on the Bitcoin blockchain a loan with their Bitcoin as collateral. So they don't have to move it off of Bitcoin. They don't have to move it at all. Uh, And then you can get uh, some yield in crypto. You can get some trading activity, some trading capital in the Ethereum degen side of things without having to touch your Bitcoin on the Bitcoin side of things. Uh, There's also custodial solutions as well for people who like their Bitcoin uh, in custody. Overall, adding productivity to BTC, the asset. So congrats, Omega, on the raise. Um, And there's a link in the show notes if you want to learn more. Let's get to the meme of the week, David. What are we looking at? This is a Farcaster meme. This is actually a, a Twitter account that I've been following lately. Bold Leonidas. He just he just makes comments, uh, and so it's a little little frog guy who's looking at his phone, talking to Dan Romero's like um, uh, profile picture, and he goes, he's looking at he's looking at Farcaster as implied. So it's Twitter, but with crypto. And Dan Romero goes, yeah, I guess. And so the little frog guy goes, so it's literally crypto Twitter. Do you, do you feel? Do like- these ever land? Do these ever land? <laughs> I you know I. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, do I, you said you don't want to know, do you? <laughs> All right, and we also got a second meme of the week. It's also a Farcaster meme, this time on Far- Farcaster. And this is what everyone's getting excited about. The top of the iceberg, this is the meme. Farcaster, it's the first non-speculative crypto app. That's the tip of the iceberg that you see. But then once you get on Farcaster, you see the DGEN token, the OG NFT, which is worth like $5,000. Oxen, Far Market, Pearl Bets, Bounty Caster, Points, Daylight Notifications, Warps, Will Be Billions, Mint Frames, 
token sign five. So yeah, there's actually a bunch of degenerate activity. You, apparently people have collected like tens of thousands of dollars just by being on Farcaster. Yeah. As always, guys, we have disclosures always posted on bankless.com slash disclosures. So you can check those out. And I'll end with this, some risks. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.